Please don't let them focus. Please don't start no commotion. Y'all playing, we up and we throwing. Ain't gotta think twice, I'm blowing. Me and I have on a mission to get to the cash on my money growing. I done touched down and I ran up a bag so fast like I'm Jesse Owens. I got your bitch and she hoeing. Hey guys, 3 in History here, bringing to you another episode of our Topics from People in History. Today, Jacob is bringing to us a famous athlete's story that I have not heard of, but am excited to learn. And remember, you can reach us by emailing 3inhistory at gmail.com, that's T-H-R-E-E in history at gmail.com, and also by visiting our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash 3 in history, and that's with the number 3 in history. We are currently working on uh, getting a TikTok set up, so by next time, we will let you know how to reach us on TikTok. I think this is going to be so much fun. I've been playing around with it, and I think there's a lot to be done there. So TikTok's going to be fun. Check us out there. When we when we finally get that out, we'll give you the link and all that. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, we'll post it on our Facebook page once it's done, and then we'll definitely announce it in our next episode. <laughs> like I said, it's going to be fun. <laughs> we we, we have too much fun. Well, we got ideas. We'll just put it there. We just got ideas. There's going to be a lot of deleted ones just because we're like, yeah, can't post that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, now we bring to you Jesse Owens. So uh, Jesse, uh, first of all, the sources I used, I I mostly used a book, uh, the audio book. It was Triumph, the Untold Story of Jesse Owens and Hitler's Olympics. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. There was an ESPN.com article, uh, Owens Pierced a Myth. Um, the, uh, I use the biography, uh, Britannica and Jesse, Jesse Owens. And then there's, uh, I use the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. There's a, a quote that I pulled from there. Uh, I, it's like, I'm actually going to play the entire audio of it. So, yeah, I've, I'm really, I've never heard of this at all. This is like, I don't know how I didn't know Jesse Owens. It happened a while ago. It, it happened, happened a while ago. It was before World War II, okay. mostly. So, uh, obviously, uh, anyway, so, uh, Jesse Owens. It's uh, he was James Cleveland Owens. He was born on September twelfth, nineteen thirteen, in Oakville, Alabama. Uh, James or J.C. was the youngest of ten children. There were three girls and seven boys. Uh, Henry. Jeez. Yeah, no, that's a shit ton of kids. <laughs> uh, Henry Cleveland Owens and Mary Emma Fitzgerald. They were sharecroppers. Uh, this is where the, a landowner allows a tenant to use the land in return for a share of the crops produced on the land. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I have, too, and you got to yeah. imagine a lot of people did that at the time. Oh, yeah. That was, like, your only option. Yeah, 1913, yeah. yeah definitely. Especially if you're a farmer, you're only going to make as much money as many as many crops as you plant or sow. You may plant a lot, and then there's a freaking drought Share, or something. Sharecropping is really interesting because there's people that would invest in the actual seeding as well. So, like, there's I've, I've read a lot about that. Like, when they did the Ed Gein episode, that is a big thing. And it's oh. uh, any any little like deviation in temperature for what you're expecting it can be like catastrophic for the right. crops and stuff. Exactly. Too. Uh, Henry uh, Henry's parents were former slaves, so uh, Jesse was actually just uh, two generations. Or, well, you know his grandparents were former slaves. Wow. Uh, as a young t- uh, young child, JC was often sick, suffering from chronic bronchial con- congestion and pneumonia. The day after his fifth birthday, a large bump on his chest formed and started to press against his lungs. His parents had no way to afford a doctor. You got to remember the time period. Dude, yeah. Continue. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You can. uh, (laughs) I uh, I didn't mean. I didn't want to interrupt your book. Okay. Uh, So uh, it was it was decided that Mary Emma, his mom, would try and perform the surgery herself. 
Holy crap, Bowley. She, she had done something similar uh, at a younger age, but uh, so she gave him a leather strap to bite down on, and a, she used a sterilized kitchen knife to cut into his chest and ca- <laughs> carved out a golf ball-sized growth. What is a sterilized kitchen knife? And she used the sterilized. What, what is a that. sterilized <laughs> kitchen knife? Uh, blood began spurting out from the wound. Well, duh. And it continued to bleed. Three days after his mother cut out the growth, J.C. got out of his bed and could hear his father in the other room praying. He could hear him say, Lord, please don't let my son die. If he dies, she'll die. And if she dies, well, we'll all die. Uh, and remember, that's ten kids, too. So he's, oh, he's worried well. about all of them. Yeah. Uh, he went into his father's arms, and his father told him to pray as well. And according to J.C., within minutes, the bleeding stopped. So could be a little bit sensationalist story <laughs> there but anyway i mean most of it i believe well did homeboy had a true. fucking hole cut in his chest dude yeah it's pretty good pretty gangster start yeah dude, i have carved stuff in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> i laugh because i have carved stuff in the kitchen you know where you're just like i'm gonna get this out of this potato uh. and, and it's nothing ever comes out pretty when you call no. it no no so i mean like i can't imagine and because what kind of knife did she use was it serrated <laughs> it was, was a it... sterile kitchen <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all we know <laughs> it was, and like i was i, I has questions right <laughs> like and I was, I was a professional prep chef for 14 years mm-hmm. so like i've cut stuff apart so that gives me the willies yeah, because you know what I'm talking about with, with meat. Like, uh, you can use a paring knife and cut the top of a tomato pretty, you know, cleanly, right? But <laughs> if you use that to try and cut something out of a chicken, yeah, yeah. it's not going to look pretty. No. <laughs> <laughs> <When> anyway. <laughs> no, sorry. When, uh, when JC was nine, his family moved to Cleveland during the Great Migration. This is when roughly 6 million African-Americans left the segregated South for the urban Northwest, Midwest, and Western U.S. uh, between 1916 and 1970. Hmm. Uh, When he started at his new school in Cleveland, he had a really thick Southern accent. And when the teacher asked him his name, name, it sounded like Jesse. When he actually said J.C. He was actually too shy to correct her in front of the new classmates, so he became Jesse, and the name stuck for the rest of his life. That's pretty crazy, though. (laughs) Uh, He joined the uh, track team while at Fairmount Junior High School. Uh, Charles Riley, the gym teacher and track coach, immediately saw the potential in Jesse. After school, Jesse worked in a shoe repair shop, among a few other little jobs. So Riley started holding extra practice sessions in the morning before school started. Uh, Jesse appreciated Riley because he wasn't used to being addressed by adults other than his parents. Uh, Riley said the first thing he noticed was Jesse's legs. They were perfect. Even when he walked, it looked like he walked more slif- more swiftly than everyone else. I've been around dudes like that, though. Yeah. I, yeah, I've been around dudes like that, You could tell, like, yeah. Like, that well, guy could probably pick me up and slam me to the ground. <laughs> well, uh, his legs were perfect, but he has an <laughs> Iron Man size hole in his chest. <laughs> True, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> he, this is the starting of a superhero already. There, there you go, there you go. It's, it's yeah. Secretly. Iron Man. Jesse Owens was uh, an OG superhero. Nobody knows about it. Coach Riley completely refined Jesse's running style. Uh, Runny, uh, Riley used to run him. Uh, so, uh, sorry, Riley told him to run as though the track were on fire with qu- uh, quick, <laughs> quick, fluid steps and an upright posture. I love that. Run as though the track's on fire. I love that. Jesse started to realize he had a passion for running and would actually credit Coach Riley for his su- uh, success athletically. 
when Jesse's parents were too broke to put enough food on the table for everyone, Riley would uh, always have a spot at the table for Jesse. And when he needed money for shoes, Riley actually dug into his savings to buy him a pair. Well, hey, if he's a runner. Yeah. Uh, that's real sweet. That's, that is, that's awesome. Yeah. Also, while at Fairmount Junior High, he met Minnie Ruth Solomon. Uh, Jesse was 15 and Ruth was 13 when they started dating. Uh, wow. Holy crap. <laughs> Yeah, but you got to think, it's a different it's, time. Yeah. yeah. Totally different time. Yeah, that's definitely. Well, 15, <laughs> 15 and 13, that's not That's that really crazy, not. Is it? You know, no, that's really not, that, not. That's not that big of a difference. Like, you know, like, think as about it. That's like a asshole. senior dating a sophomore. Yeah, you it's know? two years different. So. It's, it's as you get older that the gap gets weirder. You know, like. like uh, it depends. <clears throat> yeah, but I think 15 and 13, that's okay. I think it's too. It's too. I don't know. Like I said, it's yeah, like basically. it's like a, two they're, they're middle schoolers, <clears throat> but yeah. it's two it's years. Still, it's still like I said, a sophomore dating is just a senior. No one would think anything of it. No, definitely not. But when if you go into eighteen and fifteen, that's probably yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Continue. Uh, Jesse ran an eleven second one hundred meter dash while in practice. This officially made him one of the fastest people on the planet, regardless of that. Age. Officially makes him a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> His first official race was the quarter mile, which is four hundred forty yards. He took off on the field, but was overtaken by two runners fifty yards from the finish, with a third overtaking him at the finish when Jesse slowed down from looking over. <laughs> oh, he, he never was so over. no, yeah, he was so upset he didn't say a word for over an hour. And when he finally did speak, he said, "I don't understand, Mr. Riley. Why did I lose?" Riley pointed out, "You tried to stare them down instead of run them down." Oh, I like that. But That's kind of gangster. It is. That's mm-hmm. kind of gangster. It's smart. Uh, before his next meet, Riley set up for Jesse to go on a trip with him, and they went to go see what Riley called the best racers in the world. Uh, Jesse figured this meant the sprinters from the previous Olympics, but Riley was talking about the racehorses. Ah, uh, <laughs> he told nice. him he told him to watch the horses, how they expend every bit of energy without wasting any. Every part of the horse does its job in perfect harmony, and they don't look that's, around. That's like wise in a it weird really way, is. dude. It's like Chinese kung fu wise. <laughs> Run like horse. Sorry. <laughs> Jesse went on to set uh, junior high records in the high jump, clearing six feet, and the long jump or the broad jump at 22 feet and 11 and three quarters inches. He then went to. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, the long jump is hard. Like, I, I could never do that. I, I just, it's so sad. I was just like. Wee. I was on the like tra- really. I, that's all you can jump. I, I was on the track team in middle school, and I think my max was like eight feet. So uh, yeah, I doubt I got anywhere near that. Yeah, that yeah. like twenty two, twenty two feet. That's a hop. There's there's a reason I didn't really play sports except running. <laughs> that's about all I can do. Because all I got to do is run. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse then went on to East Technical High School, where he started to gain some national attention. He tied the record of uh, he tied the world record of 9.4 seconds in the 100-yard dash. <laughs> These numbers are still blowing my mind. And it's broke the long jump record by leaping 24 feet nine and a half inches at the 19, uh, 1933 National High School Championship in Chicago. Wow, that young in that high school. Wow, wow. And, like visualize 24 feet. Almost that's, 25. That's a school fucking bus. Yeah. <laughs> also during this time, or shortly before it, anyway, on. On August 8th, 1932, Ruth gave birth to their first child, their daughter, Gloria. Jesse and Ruth claimed that they got married the month prior to kind of avoid having to explain having a child out of wedlock. But in uh, reality, they were not married at this time. 
Uh, during high school, he also started to form a rivalry with another black track athlete. Wait, so he had a baby in high school? Yeah. It was the 30s. It was the 30s. Is that weird? Yeah. That's what, that's... It, no, I, did, I guess I just thought that was like a new thing. <laughs> no, no. No, 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 like I, like I think of like the 1950s and 40s, and then being like, oh no no, that's yeah, not proper. Yeah, in the 30s it was you get married early. Well, the depression and, yeah. and you know it just happened and everything, so they're more like. I mean, this guy's a superhero. He needs to reproduce. <laughs> yeah, they're probably just like, dude. There's nothing else for us to do. Like here, here's the thing. Hear me out here. 25 feet. Tell me that's not a superhuman act. Uh, how long did it take has someone beaten his record since since then now yeah how long did it take uh i kind of get to some of the like how long they took well i want it now (laughs) i don't know it off the top of my head (laughs) that's a fair answer that's a fair answer during high school he also started to form a rivalry with another black track athlete named ulis peacock Eulis broke the long jump long that's all right. We'll the jello it. jump record? Eulis broke the long jump record the same day that Jesse did, holding the record for two hours before Jesse bettered it. What? Eulis was from Alabama and moved to New Jersey and basically did what Jesse did in Ohio, breaking all the state records he competed in. Oh, wow. When Eulis set the state record in the long jump that I mentioned, that record lasted for 44 years in New Jersey. Oh, damn. Uh, he was taller and more muscular than Jesse, and he loved competition. And he went on to become a solid running back at Temple University as well. It's more, nice. set, it's more set up for a muscular guy. Yeah. After high school, Jesse attended Ohio State University, where he earned the nickname the Buckeye Bullet. <laughs> <laughs> the Ohio State Buckeyes. I, I know. No, yeah, just yeah, in case that, you That's know, just yeah. kind of funny. It just made me think of he, Mario and the uh, bullet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He chose Ohio State in part because Coach Larry Snyder was one of just a few U.S. coaches that allowed black athletes to compete. Unfortunately, he was not on scholarship, so he had to work part-time jobs to pay for school. Also, he had to live off campus with other African-American athletes. How is this dude not on a scholarship? Dude, yeah. Yeah, Like, I don't get... (laughs) Of course, when traveling with the team, he was forced to stay at blacks-only hotels and eat carryout or at blacks-only restaurants. Uh, despite all this, Jesse did quite well at Ohio State. He was the first black captain of Ohio State's athletics team. Uh, his first competition against Ulis, however, went to Ulis, who tied the world record of 10.3 seconds in the 100-meter dash. <laughs> Jesus. This was faster than Jesse had ever run the 100, uh, not to be confused with the 100-yard dash that he ran in 9.4 seconds. That was the 100-yard, not the 100-meter. Ulis, uh, at this point, was called the world's fastest human. And then came, quote, the day of days, or the greatest 45 minutes ever in sport. May 25th, 1935 was a pretty epic day in sports in that Babe Ruth hit his very last home run of his legendary career. And in fact, he went out with a bang hitting three home runs that day at age 40 to finish with 714 in his career. The last of which soared over the right field roof in Forbes Field, the first time that had ever happened in the 26-year history of the ballpark. Sorry, I had to include that that's baseball respect. fact. That's, that's, that's respect, though. My question that's is, respect. did he point that one out, too? Not that one. That was the World Well, Series. like, so that was his last swing ever. No, it was not. He actually played a couple more. Like, he played like, for, like, another week, but he kind of 
should have gone <laughs> out on he should have he should have gone out on this day. Uh, yeah. This was his last home run, but he played a couple other games where he sucked it up. <laughs> and then after that, he became a. I, I have a quote from him a little later, and he's he's the uh, bench coach for the Dodgers. He's not still playing. Were you gonna say something? No. I was, but then you made me forget. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for Jesse, that day was the 1935 Big Ten Championships, and Jesse had actually been advised to withdraw. As it was time to warm up for the first event, Jesse would ri- was writhing in pain. Five days earlier, he had fallen down some stairs while horsing around with some te- teammates and injured his back. Oh, oh shit. Fuck. His, his and coach. He's, and he's probably going to try and do the high jump and shit like oh, that. Oh, yeah. You twist your back doing that. Yeah. You hurt he's, yourself. He's technically got, he's got four events, and so. That's all in one day. His coach tried to convince him that he should withdraw because competing could injure him further and ruin any chance at competing in the upcoming Olympics. Jesse begged Snyder to let him at least try the first event, the 100-yard dash, and see how he felt afterwards. Worst case is he could just still withdraw up to the point of the time to start. Uh, He was struggling to even put his shirt on. He even had to have a teammate help him. I've been there with back pain. Yeah, he had to have a teammate help him put the shirt on. But he was able to convince his coach to let him run the first race. (laughs) Bad coach. Bad coach. (laughs) As he approached the line for the first event, his soreness seemed to dissipate. And he suddenly was just feeling the normal pre-race feelings. At 3.15, the gun was fired and the runners were off. Jesse off to his usual slower than average start. He was never really very good off the jump. But after 30 yards, he exploded past the rest of the field. Of the three official timers, two clocked him at 9.3 seconds, one clocked him at 9.4, which he had already run. And as was customary at the time, the slowest time clocked was the official time. The judge with the slower time was uh, no. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) The judge with the slower time was known for being a bit slower with the timer. Uh, uh, the 9.4 time tied the world record he already shared with his future Olympic teammate, uh, Frank Wyckoff. He said he felt he could have run a, f- a faster time and was actually disappointed in the result. But he didn't have much time to worry about it because 15 minutes later he was preparing for the second event, the broad jump, or the long jump. The current record, world record was 26 feet 2 inches. Owens placed a white handkerchief that distance from the starting point to give himself a target. It wouldn't easily be discernible from the takeoff mark, but that was all right. In training, he routinely jumped further than that distance, so he felt the record would be his eventually. At 3.35 p.m., he took his jump and landed 26 feet 8 and 1 quarter inches, easily breaking the world record. He wanted to jump again to see if he could reach 27 feet, but he was due at the starting line for the 220-yard dash. So at 3.45 p.m., the gun was fired, and for all but the first 30 seconds, Jesse was completely alone in first place, racing to a 20.3 20.3 second finish for another world record. This is third in 30 minutes. <laughs> photos, photos. With his back fucked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, th- th- that can't be taken lightly. No. <laughs> photos of the end of this event make it appear as if nobody was even running in the race. <laughs> <laughs> no one had before set three world records in a day, much like 30 minutes. Could you imagine if his back minutes. didn't hurt? Could you imagine if his back didn't hurt? Yeah, he said that it started. And there's another quote here, too, a little bit later. He's where just trying to be well, tough. You know, sometimes when, one, when you go, like, on stage or you're you're out there getting waiting to hear the bullet go off, you you think, like he said, the regular pre-race Jitters, yeah. jitters. All that is other stuff just melts away because of a lot of pain is Adrenaline, psychosomatic. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when you're not thinking about it, 
And then once you get warmed up, I'm, I've had back pain. You've had back oh, pain. Shit. The more you work it out and warm it up, unless you got bone pain, if you yeah, got studs, then sucks. you're screwed. It's bone pain's what sucks. Yeah, but if it's muscles, you can work it out. It goes away fine. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not too surprised. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. We're no, no, no. Back pain's a thing. Back <laughs> pain is a thing. It's relevant. <laughs> uh, no, no one before had said three world records in a day, much less than 30 minutes. And his final event of the day would be the 220-yard hurdles, which is his least favorite event. He didn't really care much for anything slowing him down in his races. Uh, he had excellent form in his other events, but the hurdles, they completely disappeared. He would jump too high, <laughs> never in proper stride. Uh, at 4 p.m., 45 minutes after his first event, the fourth one began. This race was described as being like an accordion, with Jesse taking off fast off the gun, slowing way down at a hurdle, and allowing the field to catch up, taking off on the short <laughs> straightaway to the next hurdle again, and slowly, and so, so on and so on. Uh, Jesse won by five yards in 22.6 uh, seconds, beating the world record by four tenths of this a second. This guy. Okay. This fucking guy. Again, <laughs> if his back didn't hurt and he could actually jump the hurdles properly, <laughs> right. how far it, past the record would he have been? I, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but he's fucking superhuman. He just, yeah. He just is. Usain Bolt. Yeah, yeah. That guy's superhuman. Yeah. Jesse had officially tied or set four world records in 45 minutes, and he technically can be credited for two other world records because his times would have set the records for the 200-yard dash and hurdles as well. He did the 220 yards. So, um, His broad jump record stood for 25 years. Gotcha. Actor and humorist Will Rogers said, A Mr. Owens... A colored lad of 21 years from Ohio State pra- broke practically all the world records there is, with the po- possible exception of horseshoe pitching and flagpole sitting. <laughs> <laughs> flagpole sitting is interesting. That's a good line. That's a good line. <laughs> After Jesse's success at the Big Ten Championships, he beat Ulysses in the next three meetings that year, and it was looking like Jesse might be unbeatable. With his success, he started to gain the attention of the ladies wherever he went. In particular, a Quinsella Nickerson, the daughter of a rich California businessman. Uh, Quinsella immediately fell for Jesse, and he struggled to slow her advances. Soon, the newspapers caught on and started photographing them all over town, <laughs> including in a jeweler's shop. Uh, keep in mind, he's on the road all the time. And Ruth is back home in Ohio, so the news doesn't get to her very quickly in the 30s. <laughs> uh, eventually, the news spread to the national front pages, speculating, speculating on when they might be getting engaged. <laughs> Ruth finally saw Ruth this. Ruth's bitch. Dude. <laughs> you are married. Ruth finally saw this and was, of course, furious. She demanded that he end it with Quinsella and acknowledge their relationship and daughter, or else she would sue him for breach of promise. Uh, basically, if a man promised to marry a woman, it was considered a legally binding contract. So if he changed his mind, he could be in breach of contract to marry Nice. This is lar- uh, largely abolished now, but this was a way for scorned women to defend themselves during the time. Jesse did finally end up marrying Ruth on July 5th, 1935. On the track, Ulysses had beaten Jesse in both the 100 meter and the long jump events. When Jesse lost consecutive races, a former Olympic sprint champion named Charles Paddock said that Ulysses, of all the American sprinters, was the only guarantee to make the 1936 Olympic team and said that Jesse was burned out. What? Uh, he'd lost a few in a row to Ulysses. Unfortunately, Jesse started to think there might be some truth to it, too. At one point, he lost five straight times to Ulysses. Probably because he's getting in his own head. 
as well as to Ralph Metcalf as well a couple times. Metca- Who's that dude? I'm right here. Gotcha. Don't worry. <laughs> Metcalf had won the silver medal in the 100 at the 1932 Olympics in Los Angeles, the previous Olympics. Jesse eventually pulled out a win in the long jump, but the sprints were what mattered. Uh, reporters started to speculate that he needed to cut one of his events, m- maybe even try something other than the 100 meters because his starts were too slow, and he didn't have as much time to make up for it in the shorter race. He knew, or he told one newspaper, Ulysses is a great runner and a very good jumper. This boy has been right behind me for quite some time. It looks as though he's caught up now. And in another, he quoted uh, saying, it's going to take a special man to be Ulysses Peacock. You see, I've already reached my peak. Peacock is just now reaching his. He's a real athlete. I don't know if I can defeat him again. <laughs> that was that's Jesse respect, Owens though. said that. Jesse said that. Oh wow, that's, that's respect. That's, that's sport, uh, sportsmanship. Yeah. That guy, yeah. he was he was pretty solid. Makes me wonder what the other guy would say about him. Would he have good, good <laughs> sportsmanship or? Probably at first, Jesse was a little older, so uh, like like obviously he's saying that. Uh, um, you know, he probably would have paid the respect at first, and then. When you beat him five times in a row, that gives you a little bit. Yeah, gives him some clout. Yeah. Jesse would fail his fall psychology class and would lose his athletic uh, eligibility at Ohio State for the semester. He was so worried about breaking the news to Snyder, Coach Snyder, but he was actually really encouraging. He said it was only a a small step back, and they'd be able to focus on uh, perfecting technique, and Jesse could get some much-needed rest. The next day, he told reporters, Quote, I am disappointed. After all, the school has done so much, and when it comes time to pay dividends and you can't, it kind of hurts. I haven't had much time to study, you know. I work two hours a day at the legislature and four hours a day at the gasoline station. Above all things, I'll pass those 15 hours of study next quarter. Uh, when he did regain eligible, his eligibility, it wasn't long before he was up against Ulysses again. The race drew a huge crowd. What's the age difference between the two of them again? Jesse's a year older, not just about a year older. That's enough, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, a year difference is not going to make him make his peak at that young of an age. I think he just needed rest. Probably that. He was just probably concerned that he'd lost several times in a row to him. Well, yeah, I mean, you get discouraged. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, obviously, he did more considering we're having a whole podcast about him, so... I'm just anticipating yeah, greatness. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, so he was racing against Ulysses again. The race drew a huge crowd. Right at the start of the race, Ulysses stumbled. He oh, tr- no. He tried to make up for the mistake, but Jesse easily beat him. And Jesse, sensing the disappointment in the crowd, went up to him and said, Come on, Ulysses. That one didn't count. Let's do a redo. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Ulysses won by no more Still. than a foot, too. That that's badass. Ulysses yeah. would Ulysses would tell Jesse. He said, "We got to run at the same places. There's no point in us not running against each other. It's only going to make us better for the trials." Uh, sadly, it was not meant to be for Ulysses. While he was at Temple University, he had been nursing a heel injury that seemed to be getting better. During a relay race, in which he was the anchor, the last person to get the baton, mm-hmm. he tr- he tried to make up a nearly insurmountable lead, and 15 yards before the end, he injured his hamstring. Oh! He knew immediately that he was never going to be able to qualify for the 1936 Olympics in uh, Berlin. He was probably flying, dude. <laughs> yeah, but he was flying. He thought he could come back. <laughs> Just from seeing like baseball players, when when you you know when they hurt their hamstring. You saw Cattell. Cattell yeah. Rote. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Well, yeah, he was pissed. <clears throat> yeah, he was. 
with Ulyss out of the way, his biggest competition would be Ralph Metcalf, the one who got the silver medal in the previous Olympics. No other sprinter had much of a chance. He did have one other hurdle, no pun intended, <laughs> with the movement to boycott going to Berlin, gaining steam. As early as 1933, movements to boycott the Olympics taking place in Nazi Germany had started to spring up in the U.S. as well as other countries. Black American athletes were being pressured to take a moral stand against Nazism in Germany. However, many people argued that America had its own issues with Jim Crow laws, among other things. So why is it fair for them to have to throw away what could be their only chance at the Olympics when they were in a similar place in the U.S.? Many black American athletes felt that they were given an opportunity to undermine the myth of Aryan supremacy that Hitler was attempting to spread in front of the whole world, and they had been working their entire lives for this chance. Th- that's mm-hmm. the thing you have to remember about this time. Like, you have to think about that. Like, I, I didn't intellectualize that until you brought it up right now. Like, that's what was going on. Any kind of difference back then put you out. Like, they... They were not cool with it. That's like kids no. with deformities and things like that. They'd hide them away. And yeah. that's so sad. Like now, you know, we realize the harm in that. But back then it was just, well, it's just what you do. Children to be seen society, and never to yeah. be heard. That's why I brought it up. Is just like, we got to remember the times. Yeah. And yeah. It's crazy how, you know, we're not anywhere amazing yet, but you think about Think about, I forgot that Hitler was in play in this fucking yeah, story. I forgot. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That 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 alone just tells you right there what what we were up against. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, they've been working their entire lives for this chance, and they'd have no way of knowing that the 1940 and 1944 Olympics would be canceled because of World War II. Uh, on December 4th, 1935, the NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, uh, the secretary, Walter Francis White, wrote a letter to Jesse. He, s- he never sent it, but he wanted to urge Jesse and other black American athletes that they needed to boycott. He felt that an African-American participating under a racist regime would uh, do re- irreparable harm and that the U.S. could head towards a fascist dictatorship if the Hitlers of the world were not stopped. <laughs> Damn, like that's like just piggybacks on what I was just saying. It's crazy. The NAAC did convince Jesse to say that the U.S. should withdraw if there are minorities in Germany being discriminated against. A convention was held by the Amateur Athletic Union, that's the AAU, uh, that included five hours of speeches from both sides of the boycott. Fred L. Steers, uh, the vice president for the AAU, said... uh, Quote, there is no case yet against Germany in anything where the IOC, that's the International Olympic Committee, has authority. Germany hasn't yet selected her team any more than we have. What you're trying here is not a case of sporting discrimination, but a moral judgment on Germany as a whole, which we have no right to impose on our athletes. <laughs> I just don't know what to say. <laughs> the president of the American Olympic Committee, Avery Brundage, remember that name, uh, called... He called the boycotters un-American agitators. Uh, In the end, the vote was very narrowly against boycotting, and Jesse would be a part of 18 African-Americans who would compete in Berlin, just three times as many as the previous Olympics in 1932 in Los Angeles. Now, back then, were they allowed to say no? Or was it basically like, here you go, now get out there? Could who say no? The The athletes, could they say no? To going to the Olympics? Olympics, Of course, yeah. They could decide not to go. 
Uh, Berlin had been selected to host the 1936 Summer Olympics in 1931, two years before Hitler and the Nazi Party rose to power. On the day of the vote, only two of the 12 cities that bid to host were still in contention, Barcelona and Berlin. Mm. Berlin being chosen, in a way, showed that Germany was returning to the world community after being banished after World War I. Hitler was actually opposed to the Olympics at first because of their inclusiveness. Of course he was. After he, <laughs> after he became <laughs> chancellor, uh, after he became chancellor, he eventually became convinced that they would help to promote their Nazi propaganda regarding Aryan su- superiority, and even planned to make Berlin the permanent location of the Olympics. And that goes against so much of the Olympics. Like it's right. supposed to be the world getting together oh, with yeah. the best people we have. Well, that shows Hitler's, uh, you know, idea that, like, the Ubermensch, like, the most superior men are in Germany, so you're going to come here and, and compete against our Ubermensch. Mm. So stupid. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> he did have to give assurances that Jews would be allowed to compete for Germany. They would be, of course, as long as they were on a club, which you had to be Aryan to join. Uh, oh my god Jewish athletes formed separate clubs but their facilities were no match to the German clubs which were much better funded and now is when I'd like to add this quote right here Okay. this is uh, from Gretel Bergman speaking oh, about okay. her experiences there was never never an unpleasant moment you didn't think of yourself as a Jew you thought of yourself as a German my father used to say to us be a decent human being that should be your religion and he followed that and we followed it too I skied I skated I swam nobody ever taught me anything I played tennis I played ping-pong I was possessed I think by sports Hmm. in the spring of 1933 it was just around my birthday and it was not a very nice birthday present I got a letter from my sports club You are no longer welcome here because you're Jewish, Heil Hitler, and that was the end of that. So they just threw me out of the club, and that was the end of my sports career as far as that was concerned. You were excluded from everything, all German life. You were banned from all public places, no uh, theaters, no restaurants, no uh, swimming pools. You couldn't go anyplace, and you could not associate with non-Jewish people. There was a girl next door to me. We grew up together as babies. We were together every single day. She ate in our house more times than she ate in her own house. And as soon as Hitler came in, she didn't know me anymore. The Jewish community, they were very proud of me. I mean, after a while, you know, word spread around that there's this Jewish girl who might be competing in the Olympics. I was supposed to be a member of the German Olympic team and that that was something I couldn't understand and didn't understand for a very long time. The only reason I was supposed to be on that Olympic team was because the Americans and the English and the French and a lot of the other nations threatened not to come to um, the 1936 Olympics due to the discrimination of the Jews. In a way, I was hoping I would be in the Olympics because to compete in, in the Olympic Games is a thrill of a lifetime. I mean, it, it, and it doesn't happen to everybody. You know, you have to be good enough to do it. On the other hand, I was so afraid. Supposing I 
am allowed to compete. Supposing I win, and I was convinced that I would win a medal and possibly the gold. Supposing I do this, what, what do I do? I'm going to stand on that podium and, and say, Heil Hitler, like all the others? I mean, this to do for a Jewish girl would never do. They wouldn't let me compete in the German national championship. And they said, well, she was not entitled to uh, compete in that because she was not a member of the German Track and Field Association. And why wasn't I a member? Because I was Jewish. The Gentile girls who were supposed to go into the Olympics, they had their own meets, to which I was not, not admitted. And whenever I competed, which only happened three times, I think, in the, in the two years, uh, I always beat them. One day a letter came, and it said, in view of the fact that you have been doing very poorly lately, we did not select you for the Olympic team, Heil Hitler. And that was the end of it. The high jump in the Olympics was one with a height of five foot three. The height I had reached four weeks earlier. Had I been um, allowed to compete in the Olympics, I would have been a loser either way. Because had I won, that would have been such a an insult against the German psyche. How can the, a Jew be good enough to win the Olympics that I would have had to be afraid for my life, I'm sure. And had I lost, I would have been made as a, a joke. See, we knew the Jew couldn't, help, couldn't do this. And uh, that, 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 that was on my mind all, all these years. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> It was sobering <clears throat> to listen to. Dude, that just, it makes me sick. <laughs> to me, every being should have the chance to be the best that they can be at whatever mm. they choose right. to be the best at. And I think everybody should have the opportunity to go for that. I mean, I know it's not possible just because of the way the world works. No. You know, money and all that stuff. But... I don't think that we should shame people out of, like, it's just horrible. Well, I mean, I totally agree with her, though. I, 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 if I was in her um, shoes, I wouldn't have done it either because I, I couldn't say that either. It, it, against your whole entire people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Racism is a scary thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a scary thing. And then when boxer Joe Lewis lost to German Max Schmeling on June 19th, the German propaganda machine jumped all over it. Jesse was friends with Joe, and he did not like hearing the Germans ridicule his friend uh, as evidence of black weakness for political points. On July 11th, 1936, at the Olympic trials in New York City, Jesse easily won the 100-meter, 200-meter, and long jump events. The next day, he met Babe Ruth at a dinner honoring the athletes competing in the Olympics. Babe asked Jesse if he was going to win at the Olympics, and Jesse replied, I'm going to try. Babe said, trying doesn't do shit. Everybody tries. I succeed. You know why I hit 60 home runs a few years back? Because I know I'm going to hit a home run just about every freaking time I, hit, I swing the bat. I'm surprised when I don't because I, <laughs> because I know it, and the pitchers, they know it too. No, Jesse, and that, and that you will win. Uh, that's pretty awesome. That's a good quote. I think. I'm surprised when I don't. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And this was like uh, that's what I was saying. This is when he was the bench coach, but he. Uh, I picture it in like probably how like Babe Ruth talked, like, you know, the old nineteen twenties yeah. style. Yeah, like <laughs> talking yeah, at the man, side of see? his mouth. See? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's more of a gangster one, but yeah. Yeah, but that's where, you know that's where my I mean. brain goes. That's where my brain goes. <laughs> like, uh, didn't uh, who played him in the? Was it John Goodman? John Goodman. Yeah. That's a good movie. Babe, at, I think it was called Babe, right? The mm-hmm. Babe, yeah. The babe, yeah. The babe, yeah, because babe was the one about the pig. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the trials, seven sprinters qualified for the 100 meters, arguably the most prestigious track event for the U.S. team. And uh, of them, five would be unable to train or compete in Germany. Three were black and two were Jewish. That's such bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) I mean, like, and and you know what's even more bullshit about it? They can't say oh, or do anything nope. about it because nope. they'll just they'll get killed. They'll get taken out at this point, yeah. You know, I mean, to. like back then, that that was some pretty harsh shit. Yep. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. On July fifteenth, nineteen thirty-six. That's today. Not oh. nineteen thirty-six. Happy birthday uh-huh. to you. <laughs> hey, we started recording before you were a year older. Yeah, just before, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so it's Jacob's birthday, so you yeah, guys. Thanks. Huh? Right. More than 300 members of the U.S. Olympic team boarded the U- uh, SS Manhattan and set sail for Berlin. One athlete I wanted to quickly mention was swimmer Eleanor Holm, Je- uh, Eleanor Holm Jarrett. Sorry, She was the favorite to win the 100-meter backstroke. Uh, while aboard the SS Manhattan, she attended a drinking party. Huh. The team doctor found her and claimed she was approaching a coma and diagnosed the condition as acute alcoholism. Uh, U.S. Olympic Committee President Avery Brundage, the guy who called the boycotters un-American agitators, told you to remember him, uh, he expelled her from the Olympic team. She was later quoted as saying, quote, the chaperone came up to me and told me it was time to go to bed. God, it was about 9 o'clock, and who wanted to go down in that basement to sleep anyway? So I said to her, Oh, is it really bedtime? Did you make the Olympic team or did I? I I had had a few glasses of champagne. So she went to Brundage and complained that I was setting a bad example for the team, and they got together and they told me I was fired. I was heartbroken. Her teammates tried to petition petition to have her expulsion reversed, but were unsuccessful. Hitler actually spoke with her while she was in Berlin and actually through her, uh, his interpreter, he told her that if it was him, he would have waited until the end of the Olympics to punish her and only if she had lost. Of course, his punishment probably would have been a little worse. But. Yeah, he's not known for being nice. No. Oh, my God. She would go on to appear in some films, including 1938's Tarzan's Revenge and was a I successful actually interior am designer. I familiar with that. Yeah. You wow. would be. I know. I'm, well, I, I, I know. I, I, I don't. I take that as a compliment, actually. You should. I mean, I'm not saying like, yeah, yeah you yeah. would. Yeah, I'm just. I'm a nerd that way. I like that kind of stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesse was sick a good amount of the trip on the the cruise over. Uh, Coach Snyder wanted him to walk around so his legs didn't tight up, but tighten up. But he was afraid he'd vomit. Upon arriving in Berlin, he felt much better and was confident he'd have no trouble getting warmed up and ready to compete there. The athletes stayed in the same places and ate at the same restaurants as the white athletes in Berlin. Jesse said he was eating plenty of steak, eggs, bacon, ham, fruits, and juices. Uh, He originally had three pairs of kangaroo leather running shoes. 
<laughs> That's the dogs. Dogs. <laughs> dogs. Dogs in the studio, guys. So yeah. 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 Go ahead. Uh, he originally had three pairs of kangaroo leather running shoes. Uh, one pair he had been wearing since the Olympic trials, and his other two were actually stolen. And Aww. his remaining pair was starting to fall apart. So <clears throat> the Olympic committee uh, had decided that the athletes were responsible for providing their own shoes, but they were provided. Uh, they were persuaded to order an extra pair for Jesse. But if he needed any more on top of that, Ohio State was going to have to provide them. Unfortunately, the shoes didn't arrive in time. And so Snyder had to go searching all over Berlin, and he came across the Dassler Brothers Shoe Factory. This company was founded by Adolf Dassler. After the, uh, his return from World War I, he made uh, sports shoes in his mother's laundry room in Germany. And his older brother, Rudolf, joined a little later. They convinced Jesse to try out their spiked running shoes. And there would be very little time to break in them in, so like corns would form almost immediately. And uh, I was I kind of hinted at this quote before. Uh, his first track coach Charles Riley taught Jesse injuries can establish focus, if not entirely uh, entirely debilitating. So they kind of actually helped him a lot of times uh, personally for him. Uh, <clears throat> jumping ahead just a little slightly, after Jesse and some of the German athletes wore shoes created by the Dasslers at the games. They were able to build a successful business selling over 200,000 shoes a year prior to World War II, and they're credited with being the first sponsorship for a male African-American athlete with Jesse. And the brothers would split up after some disputes in the late 1940s with Adolf forming a shoe company called Adidas and Rudolph forming a rival shoe company called Puma. Uh Oh! Right? (laughs) That's pretty cool. cool. I, I I was a Puma guy. Puma, yeah, I always preferred Puma over Adidas. Adidas but Dude, Adidas made me look like I had Mickey Mouse feet. Yeah. Like that's not cool, man. Well, I was all about the Pumas. Yeah, I, I always felt they were more comfortable to me with my feet. Anyways, You're I could good. go out for shoes for like a long time. Shoes, could you? Shoes. <laughs> the 1936 Summer Olympics would be the first televised televised games. Hitler invited German filmmaker and actress Leni Riefenstahl to film the games. Only hand-picked German photographers would be given credentials, and only Riefenstahl would be allowed to film. And her work would be actually made into a film called Olympia, which is considered to be a major influence in modern sports photography. She used several camera tricks and placements that are considered standard now, but were mostly unheard of at the time. She hmm. used slow-motion shots, underwater shots. She was one of the first to use tracking shots, where the cameras would follow like forward or alongside, uh-huh. backwards. And well, like along the sub- subject being recorded, and uh, she also introduced panoramic aerial shots and extremely high and low angles. That's that's, pretty, that's, that's a cool. lot of stuff to really because <laughs> there's only so much you can do. Right. Yep. And she pretty much did she sh- most of it. She showed everybody what they were filming before it was boring. <laughs> yeah. Her, uh, Hitler really liked her, but uh, I guess Hermann uh, Hermann Goering and uh, the two of the, two of his guys really didn't like uh, didn't like her because they figured she had too much uh, pull from Hitler. And he he was he really liked her, and so he gave her a little bit more uh, leeway than he would with other people. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, on August 1st, the first day of Olympic events, Hitler had been congratulating a few of the German and Finnish winners, and then he left. And Interna- International Olympic Committee President, I might screw this name up, uh, hmm. Henri de Bayet Latour, uh, insisted that Hitler greet all the medalists or none at all, and he chose none at all. 
So <laughs> Jesse had equaled or beaten the world record in the 100-meter heats twice on August 2nd, but both were not recognized because there were there was wind assistance with a tailwind of greater than four miles per hour. So it didn't count for the That's world record. That's bogus. It's a thing, what? though. What? If he has wind assistance, like pushing him more than four miles an hour wind, it doesn't count for your world record. That's how Did they just make it up at that time, or was I don't that know. something that was I don't already? Think so. I, I don't think they just. It sounds like it was made up on the spot because, yeah. like, screw this black guy type of thing. <laughs> so stupid. Makes me angry. On August third, Jesse won his first gold medal, defeating teammate Ralph Metcalf, finishing in ten point three seconds to Metcalf's ten point four. Uh, on August fourth, Jesse had the long jump. He was still in warm-up clothes, and as he always did, he jogged down the path and into the pit to feel the sand and get a feeling for his jump, as he always did. Uh, all the Americans routinely did this. To his horror, the judge lifted the flag to indicate a foul. <gasps> the Germans and all of Europe really were not aware of this custom, and the foul held, especially Nazi Germany is not going to break the rules. I don't know what a foul A foul, well, does. so... They counted it him walking out. You get three out jumps. His- they kind of okay. That's what I was gonna ask. So I was gonna say foul means yep. that he d- takes his jump away. It's like a strike. That's a strike. Yep. You okay. For walking out onto the sand. Yeah. For, mm-hmm. And and he was in his warm up clothes. He was clearly not jumping. But um, <clears throat> instead so, of being like, what what the fuck are you doing? Right. Yeah. Like they just you let him sh- do it. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, yeah. Well, you know what? After the fact, that's a foul. On his second try, he ran down the path and jumped too late, and he fouled a second time. Jesse was going to have to jump at least 23 feet and 3 inches just to qualify. Uh, he's he'd done it, but that's like he wanted to jump 27 feet in the high school event. But it's still, yeah. you got to jump. It's got to well, be a good and, jump. And yeah, I was just saying, his first one was taken away from him. The first two were now taken away from him. So he has one well, no, jump. No, but up. I'm saying the oh, first yeah, one was yeah, taken exactly. away, just completely, completely taken yeah. away. Uh, Lutz Long, a German long jumper, suggested to Jesse that he try and jump several inches before the foul line since he routinely cleared that distance in practice. On his third jump, he calmly cleared the required distance and made it to the finals. Lutz Long and Jesse would surpass the previous Olympic record five times in the final. Jesse went on to win his second gold medal in the event, with Lutz finishing second with the silver. Uh, He was the first person to congratulate Jesse. And they posed for pictures and walked to the dressing room with arms linked. Jesse said of Lutz, quote, It took a lot of courage for him to befriend me in front of Hitler. I would melt down all the medals and cups I have, and they wouldn't be plating on the 24-karat friendship that I felt for Lutz Long at that moment. Dope-ass quote. Dope-ass quote. That's awesome. According to Lutz's mom, Rudolf Hess, uh, Hitler's deputy minister, later ordered Lutz n- to never embrace a Negro again. Oh. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I did. I has no words. Yeah, yeah, that's like, yeah. That whole phrase just kind of makes me. <laughs> Lutz and Jesse would remain friends after the war and stayed in touch by letter. When World War II began, Lutz was drafted, and in a letter to Jesse, Lutz wrote, "Quote: My heart is telling me that this is perhaps the last letter of my life." If that is so, I beg one thing from you. When the war is over, please go to Germany, find my son, and tell him about his father. Tell him about the times when war did not separate us, and tell him that things can be different between men in this world. Your brother, Lutz. That's touching. On July 10th, 1943, during the Allied invasion of Sicily, Lutz was injured and died four days later in a hospital. That sucks. 
Uh, back to the Olympics, the day after his second gold medal, Jesse set a new Olympic record in the 200 meters with a time of 20.7 seconds. Uh, Mac Robinson, the older brother of Jackie Robinson, the first African-American baseball player in the 20th century uh, who broke the color barrier, uh, finished second with four-tenths of a second behind Jesse. Uh, at this point, it was assumed Jesse's Olympics were done. He had three gold medals in hand. The relay race was still ahead, and traditionally the U.S. team would have the top sprinters from the 100-meter event in that event and then have the combination of third through seventh, so like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Uh, they would run in the 4-by-100 re relay. The, the U.S. team never really needed to have their fastest runners for the event. Uh, Jesse and Ralph Metcalf were expected to cheer on Frank Wyckoff, Foy Draper, Marty Glickman, and Sam Stoller in the relay. Ralph Metcalf confirmed in a later interview that the previous Olympics, 1932, was done this way, where the top three were not even considered for the relay in favor of having four fresh sprinters available to practice their baton passes while the others focused on their individual races. And in a practice, Sam Stoller finished first, Glickman second, and Draper third. So if any should have, anyone should have been replaced, it should have, in theory, have been Draper. The first heat would take place on August 8th, Sam Stoller's 21st birthday. Prior to the start of the first heat, Sam Stoller and Marty Glickman were suddenly replaced by Jesse and Ralph. The U.S. Olympic track coach Lawson Robertson and his assistant Dean Cromwell were, uh, used the excuse that the German team had hidden their best sprinters to compete for an upset in the relay. Uh, Marty Glickman recall, recalls saying, quote, We were shocked. I remember saying, This is ridiculous. How is it possible to hide world-class sprinters? Glickman said that Jesse stood up and said basically that he had won his medals, let Sammy and Marty run, and Cromwell, Cromwell reportedly replied, you'll do as you're told. A rumor circulated that Marty Glickman and Sam Stoller were left off because Dean Cromwell wanted to keep his USC sprinters, Foy Draper and Frank Wyckoff, on the team. Another rumor, which was backed by both Glickman and Stoller, went that there was another even more sinister reason for them being left off. Glickman and Stoller were the only two Jews on the team. Glickman stated that Dean Cromwell and Avery Brundage, the same Avery Brundage that kicked off Eleanor Holm Jarrett and called them un-American agitators, <laughs> uh, he, they were attempting to spare Hitler the embarrassment of seeing two black and two Jewish runners on the winning podium for the U.S. Well, fuck them. <laughs> right? I mean, like, what a little pussy. And, and he was. He was a little man. Mm -hmm. It was a very little man who was just very angry. For very stupid reasons. These guys obviously had no problem with it too, though. <laughs> no, there's a there's a lot of, of guilty people in, in that sense, and there's a lot of guilty people that people don't realize were no. guilty. It it was a very fucked up ass shit that the world went through, and hopefully we don't go through it again. Yeah, no shit. Agreed. Uh, allegedly, Hitler rewarded Avery Brundage a couple years later by hiring his construction company to build the German embassy in Washington D.C. So I'd say there's probably some merit to that rumor. The American team of Jesse Owens, Ralph Metcalf, Foy Draper, and Frank Wyckoff set a record of 40 seconds in the first heat, a world record, and with Italy finishing second at 41.1 seconds in the same heat, Germany ran in a second heat, or a separate heat, excuse me, and they won, but they were fourth best at 41.4 seconds. In the final, the U.S. team set another world record of 39.8 seconds, with Italy taking the silver, Again, finishing at 41.1, and Germany finishing at third with 41.2 seconds. Burn. Uh, 
<laughs> it is widely believed the team would have had no problem taking the gold without Jesse and Re- uh, Ralph. Perhaps even still enough for the world record, but we can only s- speculate at this point. As German, uh, the Germans were obviously not hiding any of the world-class talent on the relay team. Uh, but Jesse would be leaving Nazi Germany with four gold medals. The black American athletes on the 1936 U.S. Olympic team brought home 14 medals. Nice. Eight gold, four silver, and two bronzes. In the nice. total, US won, the U.S. won 56. So uh, 24 of uh, them were gold. That's awesome. In, yeah, uh, that's pretty sweet. In Hitler's Olympics, the black athletes won a quarter of the second place team's medals and a third of their golds. <laughs> Germany actually <laughs> was first. but Well, first. well yeah, yeah, that's probably the... Not, that's not even probably. It's because they rigged the fucking the Olympics. <laughs> well, the, like, there's, d- like d- they, we just we heard the clip of Gretel uh, Bergman, and she's talking about how she probably most definitely would have won medals and everything had she been allowed to compete. And how many other ones were just Squash. kicked out, squashed? Yeah, I mean, just like. That's just so sad. Well, like, to me, that that's not an Olympics. That that's not be, that's not peers competing against their equal peers. They, they said well, that so. the uh, Jews, uh, none of them were good enough, and for the blacks, they said that it's not fair. That it, it's not fair competition for them to be playing. Well, that is so stupid. <laughs> well, like a prime example is like when Jesse first stepped out to warm up, they docked him just for walking on the sand. Yeah, you realize know, like yeah. how much that probably happened the whole way through. That's what I'm saying. It was the only reason they probably got those medals and shit, and, and got the most of the most out of the rest of the world, was because they rigged it. Yeah. You know, oh, fouls uh, here. You know, this one can't compete here, or who knows what they did if they just like slid people in. Like, who fucking knows? This guy snakes. This guy spelled his last name wrong. He can't. <laughs> he can't compete. And I didn't actually. I meant to put this in somewhere too, but I didn't. Um, but the the crowd r- loved Jesse too. Well, I'm awesome. sure. Um, I'm so sure. yeah, I w- like the, you know they're trying to push what they're trying to push, but they did. They really enjoyed watching Jesse. I have a question. Mm-hmm. How come he didn't get drafted? Uh, into the army. Into the war. Into the war because yeah. it was the 30s right now. The war starts in 1939, and the U.S. doesn't oh. until oh, 1941. Oh, we're still in the third. This is oh. 1936. Oh, I, I, I thought yet. time had like advanced. Well, yeah, I haven't gotten. I didn't realize that either. But yeah, yeah, no, okay, never, never mind. We're still because so we're. This is building up to everything up that's to, gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. After the Olympics, the entire Olympic team was invited to Sweden for additional competition. Jesse decided not to go, instead opting to turn professional and capitalize on the momentum of his success. Upon hearing this news, Avery Brundage, the guy who kicked off Eleanor home and that dude, suspended Jesse indefinitely. What? He had been receiving several offers to make appearances, but many of them were just looking for publicity. He would later say, quote, After I came home from the 1936 Olympics with my four medals, it became increasingly apparent that everyone was going to slap me on the back, want to shake my hand, or have me up to their suite, but no one was going to offer me a job. He did what he could do to make money in this time. He worked at a gas station. He led a 12-piece band of black musicians. He managed an all-black basketball travel team. He worked as a playground director. He lent his name to a chain of cleaning stores, but it went under and ended up leaving Jesse over $100,000 in debt, ultimately leading to him filing for bankruptcy in 1939. 
poor guy. He also took on gigs racing against horses. <laughs> in many- <laughs> I kind of love this. I don't know why. <laughs> in many- I see him blasting past the blast horses. Well, in many well. cases, he would be given a 40-yard start well. to make it a fair race. He said it was degrading, but, quote, what was I supposed to do? I had four gold medals, but you can't eat four gold medals. There was no television, no big advertising, no endorsement then. Not for a black man, anyway. This is such horseshit. We'll let you compete. We'll show you, and we'll show the whole entire world how great you are. But, can't nah. The, you can't reap the benefits. Yeah, that's just so bullshit. Like Eleanor Holm Jarrett, she was in uh, the movies. I saw a couple other of the former athletes. They were they went into movies and stuff, but it just wasn't open for Jesse. That's just... Yeah. I mean, I, I know I saw the Jackie Robinson story and everything with yeah. you, and they, that one is just... And that's that's in the future that i know i know and and i'm just I'm, that's what i'm just saying i'm like it it's just it didn't get no it didn't, didn't get, get better. better for a while yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. still fucked up yeah at the olympics hitler had been accused of refusing to acknowledge jesse's wins and he would be asked about this many times his response to these claims were quote hitler had a certain time to come to the stadium and a certain time to leave it happened he had to leave before the victory ceremony after the 100 meters which began at 5:45 p.m. Uh, but before he left, I was on my way to a broadcast and passed near his box. He waved at me, and I waved back. I think it was bad taste to criticize the man of the hour in another country. A few other people claimed to have witnessed Hitler shake hands and congratulate Jesse, too. Uh, Jesse was often asked about a potential snub from Hitler as well. Uh, Jesse was paid to campaign for black votes for Republican presidential nominee Alf Landon in, 1930, in the 1936 election. When he was asked about the snub at a Republican rally, he said, quote, Some people say Hitler snubbed me, but I'll tell you, Hitler did not snub me. I am, I'm not knocking the president, meaning FDR. Remember, I'm not a politician, but remember that the president did not send me a mes- message of congratulations because people said he was too busy. Uh, I don't know how uh, brushed up you are on presidential elections, but I don't think you've heard of a president landing, so no. you didn't do too well. <laughs> FDR was widely Don't popular. Don't my history. No. Shame. Well, I, <laughs> no, nobody's heard of it. I didn't know it either. He wasn't a president. <laughs> FDR was widely popular after his first term was coming into an end and won all but two states, Maine and Vermont. And I said he was popular. He only needed 266 electoral votes to win. He got 523. Landon only received eight. <laughs> um in 1937, Ruth gave birth to the couple's second daughter, Marlene. Beverly, the youngest, was born three years later. Uh, both Marlene and Gloria, their first daughter, at, later attended Ohio State, and Marlene would become Ohio State's first African-American homecoming queen in 1960. Nice. Despite his accomplishments in 1935 and 36, Jesse wasn't a, uh, voted for the Sullivan Award, which is the best U.S. amateur athlete. He was voted Athlete of the Year, pro or amateur in 1936 by the Associated Press and in a 1950 Associated Press poll he was voted the greatest track and field star of the first half of the century in second place Jim Thorpe was outpolled by almost three to one in 1946 he joined in the formation of the West Coast Baseball Association where he would be vice president and owner of the Portland Rosebuds franchise he would travel with the team and he would race against horses in between double headers uh, this league was disbanded after just two months. Damn, they didn't last long. <clears throat> no. 
1950, at age 36, Jesse ran a charity event in which he ran a 9.7 meter 100 yard sprint. How old was he? 30, uh, 36. Uh, and j- like just not even a, j- almost the same re- uh, speed as his world record time. It was 9.4. At 36. Uh, in 19, uh, 1951, Owens returned to Berlin, and he met Lutz Long's surviving son, the 10-year-old Kai Henrik, uh, Heinrich. The two stayed in touch, and <laughs> the two <laughs> stayed in touch, and Jesse would later be Kai's best man at his wedding. Oh, that's a cool little tidbit. In, yeah. In 1955, President Eisenhower named Jesse ambassador of sport. Uh, he would attend the 1956 Summer Olympic Games in Melbourne, Australia, as a representative of the pre- uh, president. In 1965, Owens was convicted of failing to pay income tax for four years, but the judge did note his uh, character, and instead of prison and a uh, harsh fine, he only uh, made him pay $750 per year, so $3,000 total. Yeah, but remember the time period. It is still a good amount of money, yeah. Yeah. At the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, Black U.S. sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos finished first and third, respectively, in the 200-meter race. And upon taking the podium, both athletes raised their black-gloved fists during the playing of the national anthem. Jesse had refused to support the salute. He would say, quote, The black fist is a meaningless symbol. When you open it, you have nothing but fingers, weak, empty fingers. The only time the black fist has significance is when there's money inside. That's where the power lies. A few later, he would, a few years later, he would change his stance in his book. I have changed. In it, he said, "I realize now that militancy, in the best sense of the word, was the only answer where the black man was concerned. That any black man who wasn't a militant in 1970 was either blind or a coward." Wow. In 1976, Jesse was awarded, awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Gerald Ford, the highest honor bestowed upon a citizen. It's pretty cool. And then on March 31st, 1980, at the age of 66... Oh, my God. Jesse Owens, a -a pack-a-day smoker for the last 35 years, died of lung cancer in Tucson, Arizona. (laughs) We actually have a Jesse Owens park here in town on Broadway Broadway and Sarnoff. Yes, we do. Holy crap, I didn't put that together. (laughs) Yeah, no clue he died here, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't put that together until I was like, wait a minute. No, of course he died here. He came here and he's like, it's too hot. He came here and smoked cigarettes, and the sun killed him. Yeah, but I'm going to go with the sun cancer there more than the lung. I'm just kidding. Lung cancer is no joke. What a a cool story, though. That's a really cool story, yeah. In 1981, USA Track and Field created the Jesse Owens Award for the country's top track athlete. In 1983, he was inducted to the first class of the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame. Uh, a street south of the Olympic Stadium in Berlin was re- named uh, Jesse Owens Ali or Ali. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Jesse Owens Street, <laughs> <laughs> right next to the to the uh, to the stadium in Way Berlin. Way to try. Uh, that happened in 1984. Swing and a miss. And uh, a decade after his death, President Bush uh, posthumously awarded Jesse the Congressional Medal of Honor. Bush called his victories in Berlin quote an unrivaled athletic triumph. But more than that, a triumph for all humanity. Now, like roads, schools, medical centers, they all have Jesse's name on it now. That's badass. That's it. Uh, Again, what a cool story. But I've heard the name before, but I just didn't, I never knew the story. Well, I never put it together that that's Jesse Owens Park. Like, I'm just. Yeah, that's the guy. Uh, I'm not going to lie, this is going to sound really bad, but I thought he was a baseball player. 
It's not that bad. Well, I mean, he was. I still. Uh, I knew he was an athlete. It could be a baseball player. Name. But I also didn't know the time period either. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I mean, that that's huge. Being an athlete back then and being African American, like. Right. Dude. Well, what do you guys think about him? I think it's amazing. Like I said a half a dozen times, he's a fucking superhero. <laughs> yeah. Like the the numbers that he was putting up are fucking amazing. Well, even besides his athletic abilities because i mean that's that's the obvious thing to focus on because i mean he uh, it was amazing like you said superhero yeah. you know i i believe that they're superheroes i don't yeah. they don't necessarily need to have capes or right. to fly or do whatever but there's people out there every single day who do fantastic feats and we still have athletes to this day who are who are breaking barriers and right. breaking records and i mean like look at steph curry yeah I mean, like, no one would have dreamed back, think back when we were kids, if someone would have talked about someone like him, we'd be like, ha! No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and not saying that the basketball players back then weren't great. It's just sports evolve over time oh, yeah. as people evolve. And I just find it fantastic for him to be from so long ago and his records to stand for such a long time <laughs> after he... It was you know finished with his career well like i was intellectualizing during the story like the long his what was his longest long jump 20 uh it was 26 and three quarters something like that Dude, think about that that's, that's literally taking off <laughs> and, and okay, i'm sorry <laughs> but this makes me think of who's nike yeah the, the it was the greek god nike yeah yeah that's you know, where the, that, the, the, the wings on the back of his shoes and so he could go right. real fast. Yeah. Um, just makes me think of him having, because there used to be shoes that had, they're called red wing shoes though, but they had the wings on the back of them. And it just made me think of that and like these wings flying and he's just like, wee. Because <laughs> I mean, to go that distance, that's it's, it's, just. It's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. It's really fuck. It's like more than a school bus. Well, your typical school bus I think it's like 30 foot long, like your deluxe. Okay, so he jumped bus. from the back to say hello to the driver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know. Oh, um, and not to mention his buildup, like on the approach, how fast he was fucking going just to be, oh, able, yeah. to be able to launch oh, his yeah. body that far. I, like, I mean, I played sports and stuff when I was younger, but as I got older, I realized that I was very frail and probably mm. should stop doing it. <laughs> um, but. Dude, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Because um, I did track for a little while. I I, too, I, I yeah. sucked at any anything that involved jumping. I sucked because they wanted me to do hurdles. Hmm. But there's no way, man. There's no way. Yeah. I, so I had to do you know, long distance <laughs> or whatever they needed me to do. But I can't imagine him running so fast <laughs> to like mess up on a hurdle. And but still, still be able to win the race, and not just mess up on a hurdle, but all of but them. All of them. <laughs> yeah, and win by a, a win good by amount. considerable amount. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this guy was insane. And then he did it all in front of Hitler too. See that? Yeah, I, that is an amazing part of the. Oh, story. that's what I was gonna say earlier. I was gonna say not only was he a great athlete, pre-Nazi Germany. Yeah, he was a fantastic man. Oh yeah. I mean, he 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 set forward to me he kind of let the african-american community to kind of come together yeah that they needed to unite especially and, at that time i mean that just brings tears to my eyes I'm well not it lying, sucks cause too because so like i said for a while it, actually he was not looked well 
when he didn't support John Carlos and Tommy Smith with the with the fist, with the fist yeah, yeah they they looked at him as an uncle Tommy well that's probably why he read, wrote the book to right. make up for it yeah which I mean but still it's it's just to go up there and tell this man who has just obliterated the fucking world <laughs> and basically give him the finger every time you rose that metal and he didn't do it just once he did it four fucking times like well and then think about too he did that and then he came home and he said that that guy wasn't even the worst that our current president didn't even congratulate him or acknowledge anything there's a lot of things <laughs> that happen with the war that America is not innocent about. No, but you know what? Not. We're not going to go into that because no, I don't want to be. No, I know. It's be... just a crazy thing to think about, you know, because it's no, it not is. really known as well, but you know. I can go into other things, too, about how look at the, some of our heroes of war who come back and they're just not looked kindly upon. And there, there's still so much wrong with the world today about. I don't know, just congratulating the wrong people. Yeah, that's good right. Put it. Yeah. So we've got a, a lot of cool things coming down the pipe. Like I've been, I'm going to be bringing back the the nerdy bones aspect of the actual show. It's I'm just gonna. How's that? So nerdy bones is how the show started. Yep. So what I think I'm going to bring it back to is uh, I've had hosts that have come and gone. I've had a lot of people that have contributed to it, but as far as nerdy bones goes. I've got to keep it going because it was something I created and I... I, it's I your love. baby. Yeah. So uh, what Nerdy Bones is going to be on this channel every now and then I'm going to drop and I'm going to talk to people and just kind of drop uh, little episodes about like horror movie characters. I'm going to keep it in the in the vein of how the show started. Talking about like nerdy horror movie stuff. That's where the name Nerdy Bones came from. So my, my, I feel left out. Uh, well, the, 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 fir the first one I'm going to do is Hannibal Lecter if you want to, if you want to be in on that. <laughs> Hello, Clarice. Yeah, like uh, I had a census taker. What? Ha how's it go? I had a census taker test me once. I ate his liver with a, a fava beans and a nice can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad to say that I know that line first from Jim Carrey. What is it? Dumb and Dumber. That was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna say from Family Guy. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. no, no. <laughs> so, and then my next episode of Three in History is gonna be uh, Waco, Texas, and the Branch Davidians. Does. It's going to be an interesting episode because I've got a bunch of different sources. But it's it's going to be controversial. Be controversial. Because, no, the whole thing was controversial. Uh, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> I've I've got uh, one one sources from a one of the officers that was there. One sources from uh, Timothy McVeigh's actual writings himself. That I've got a lot to pull from. It's going to be really interesting. Oh yeah. So yeah. I don't know what I am bringing to the table next. That's what brainstorming is for. Well, no, I have I have a couple that yeah, I've been Bob, working I'm on. I'm excited for Bob Ross in particular. Yeah, I was I was also doing the history of the universe, wow. uh, not universe, but of our solar system. 40, there you go. Forty-two. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hitchhiker's Guide thing. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so if you want Robinson's number two. So if, oh. <laughs> he's on a totally different <laughs> thing. Way different. Yeah, it's okay. he, I don't. It, I've seen the movie, but I don't I think he has. But I guiltily have not read the book <laughs> so if you want to send us out with the uh outro oh, and remember you can reach us by emailing three in history at gmail.com remember that's t-h-r-e-e -E in history at gmail.com and also by visiting our facebook page facebook.com backslash three in history and that's with the number three in history and 
thanks guys for listening we really appreciate it well, yeah we'll see you next time bye bye